What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here this week with the hosts of two of my favorite podcasts. I got David Flora from Flurry Photos, and I got Derek Hayes from Monsters Among Us. Guys, how you doing? What's up, doctor? Yes, the doctor's in. Thank you for having us. <laughs> the doctor's in, and he's giving out fake prescriptions. Oh, man. Yeah, no problem, guys. Super excited to have you on. So uh, besides this just being like a great little thing for all of us to get together and talk nonsense for like 45 minutes, you guys are actually here to promote a Kickstarter you're beginning for a documentary that you're trying to do. That'll be titled Shadows in the Desert, High Strangest in the Borrego Triangle, which will look at the kind of cryptid sightings and just weirdness that happens in this area of California known as the Anza Borrego Desert State Park. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Dead on. Sweet. Oh, my goodness. So, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about this this area? Well, so first off, I guess, what... Tell us a little bit about the about the thing, about the documentary itself, and then I want to hear about what made you want to do this in the first place. Uh, actually, I'll start with this real quick, David. I'll, I'll do the back half of that, and you can come in with the front half. Um, sure thing. I live in Southern California, and anybody that's spent time here knows that this is like the hiking camp of Mecca of, of uh, the U.S. There's so many places to go, and me and my wife do this all the time. We go out for the weekend or a couple days during the week. And Anza Borrego was one of our, our spots that we went to. So I started hitting this place up, and, and I would hear stories about ghosts or UFOs or this, this strange Sasquatch Bigfoot-type creature we're going to talk about here in a bit. And I started doing some research and realized there's literally nothing out there. There are no books. There are no documentaries. There's just no information out there. So that got my brain thinking, well, why don't we create something? So I got a hold of David, and he's going to take it over from there. Yeah, Derek sent me this uh, suggestion for my annual Miss Cryptid contest, the thing where I uh, hit nine cryptids against each other and the audience votes on their favorite. And just this past year, he was like, hey, have you ever heard of the Borrego Sandman? And of course, I was like, no, uh, I haven't. And (laughs) he was like, check it out. Maybe it could be one of the contestants. So I did. And I put it in the Miss Cryptid contest. And there are a ton of stories about this uh, hairy hominid that's scooting around the desert out there in Southern California. And it's known by a bunch of different names. Um, If it's, you know, if it's the same entity, let's say. Uh, But you also have the Yucca Man. You have Zubies. Uh, It extends up into the mountains a little bit. Uh, You've got, um, what is it, Derek? The the Fontana Speedway Monster? Yeah, yeah, Um, the Fontana. There's the uh, Mountain Devils. They just basically call them devils. Yeah. Um, so there's there's Native American lore that can be tied into this. There's a lot of Old West stories about it uh, from the stagecoach line at the time. People would see them along the route there. And uh, 
and then in in the sixties, a lot of stuff kind of kicked up when this I think it was an ex marine went out to the deserts, just you know, kind of uh, hiking, and saw this footprint in the sand, made a plaster cast of it, and that kind of re sparked the story a little bit, kept the kept the old magic alive, as it were, and um. He put that in an article in Desert Magazine. That's how that kind of got out to the masses. And so I covered this on the show, and then uh, Derek was like, did you like that? What do you think of uh, uh, going deeper into that? Because there's some other stuff that's happening around there. And, you know, how could I say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds of phenomena, and we um, we decided we'd like to take a look at it and uh, bring this stuff to uh, everybody's attention. Awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I had never heard of it before until it was on your show. And even then, it's one of those ones where, like, um, so I don't know about you guys, but I know I, the, one of the scariest cryptids for me always was Momo, the Missouri, uh, whatever, Mudman, not Mudman, but, like, Grassman, I think he is. Mm. Or Momo is actually, he's not even Missouri, is he? he's, like, Ohio or something, whatever. Ohio Grassman, I don't know. But. Well, there's the Ohio Grassman, and then there's the Momo, which is the Missouri monster. So you were right. Okay. All I remember about Momo, and I always get this mixed up or whatever, but I remember going into a Barnes Noble with my mom, and my mom was reading some, like, serious book that she wanted to buy or whatever, checking out stuff. And I always gravitated to the one section that they called, like, weird. Like, I, I can't remember the title of it, but it was, like, you know, like spirituality and religion or something. And I went over there and they had one small section of it that was just like books about UFOs and cryptids and whatever. And there was a book that was like the beast of America. And, and one of them was Momo. And it said that he was like a violent version of Sasquatch. Mm. So he'd come up to people and like grab them and like he killed dogs and all this other stuff. That's basically what the Borrego Sandman sounds like though, based on the stories that I've, I've heard of now and then read kind of in anticipation of you guys coming on here. Um, it's pretty wild to have something like this, you know, it kind of bridges the gap between, I guess what we would normally consider like Bigfoot is a cryptid where, you know, apes and other non-human primates are quite, uh, skittish and scared of humans generally and everything else versus say this thing, which seems to like come up to racetracks and grab people out of cars and stuff. <laughs> The thing you got to keep in mind, I think, is a lot of these stories come out of the 60s and 70s, and things were just overly sensationalized then. Uh, you know, it, there may have been a creature that, that came up to the window, but of course the story is, oh, it pulled me out of the car, it had me by the neck, and, the, you know, you just kind of play it up. And over years and years and years, I feel like these stories just get embellished. Uh, it, that said, I would love it if Bigfoot was down here, like, yanking people out of cars. Like, that's... <laughs> As sad and scary as that is, like I would be all over that. I like, I like the idea that there's there's a hairy hominid just carjacking people, <laughs> just Grand Theft Auto right, the yeah. Bigfoot edition. Derek and I, oh, are dude, gonna, I'd be so. In we're gonna go out there to the desert and just find this like junkyard of scrapped cars, you know, up on cinder blocks and stuff. Right. What's going on? Well, it seems like Bigfoot is super into uh, Chevys. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what's going Same. on here. The same man comes out with a dirty wife beater. He's like, I can get you a deal on a carburetor right now. But I can, <laughs> can get it right out of this Chevette. Yeah. It's not a problem. <laughs> he hasn't even moved into the you know the newer stuff. He's he's like, I, carburetors, I, I don't deal with fuel injection. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's so, okay. So there's these Sandman stories, but even just the landscape, like I the the fact that these are mud caves. 
so this area of of the Borrego Triangle or this kind of Borrego area is um it's geologically it's super interesting. Like as a kind of sciencey nerd person myself, I reading about it, I was like, oh, this is so weird. Like mud caves are a terrifying combo of two words because you know (laughs) like mud is unstable and caves are dangerous to start with regardless so to have a a, to have a cave system where you know it's a desert but still like it's a cave so there's condensation inside of it and usually that's where the water is in deserts and everything else and to think like well this is clay this is mud you get enough water it'll hydrate and then it'll slough away it'll it won't be uh it just won't be safe to live in or just be in. It'll it'll collapse or whatever. Like this is just it sounds just like a fascinating part of the country generally. Um where do people think this thing lives? It's been speculated. Uh and you're absolutely right, Chris, like about all that stuff. These things are super dangerous and they're ever changing, even though they've they've been there for what, Derek, five million years, you said? Yeah, I, re- I read recently they've been there as long as five million years. So, yeah, that's it's a crazy. long time. Jeez. Yeah. And and it's amazing, you know, to go in there. And you, you think of caves, you think of uh, going down into some rocky thing, um, nice and cool, and, and kind of there's a drip somewhere. Well, these things are, are wild because when Derek and I went out there to film the trailer, we found a couple of little insets uh that we could walk into and then there were some more more or less i i've been calling them tunnels uh because you walk into um an an area that looks like a cave but then just you know after a few steps the ceiling opens up to the open sky and then it kind of closes so it's it's kind of like canyon slash caves uh as well Mm. and you know we didn't we didn't spend a ton of time there or, or do a lot of like dangerous exploring. So there may be some kind of um, openings that go way down into the ground or maybe into these, uh, uh, it, for, they kind of look like just rolling hills when you look at them from above. So, you know, maybe there is something that is down in there. And that's kind of what people have said um, could be a possible place for these things to hide out and, and nobody would ever know because you don't want to go in there, you know? Right. It's like the one part of the country where quicksand might actually be a danger. <laughs> there's so, so many, there's so many dangers out there. I think quicksand, <laughs> like the least of our worries. When we were in these mud caves checking this out, we saw uh, mountain lion tracks that I, I bet you they weren't half a day old. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the caves themselves are terrifying. One tiny tremor and the whole thing comes down and we're right along the San Andreas Fault. So that's nice to, to know as well. But to answer your question a little further, I think it's important that we point out that there are so many little microclimates within this park. There are palm oases or oases, I guess you would say. Um, there are uh, there's some higher higher parts with some conifer trees, some pine trees, that kind of thing. There are tons of abandoned mines that haven't been explored in a hundred years. And some of these go deep into the hillside. You could hide all kinds of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, man. It's so fascinating. So what other, um, I know. So I know from seeing your guys kind of like pre launch trailer and everything. I mean, first off it's put together so well. I'm like, Oh my God, I was blown away by it. Yeah. If I didn't know, if I didn't know the quality of the two guys in the documentary themselves, I would have uh, I would have been like, oh, my God, this is professional. But now I know that it's you two. So I'm kind of like, you know, man, I don't know. 
No, no, no. He's no but seriously, us. though, it's... it's it, it, dance, it really though, dance. It's, right. Jeez, it, Derek. It's, it's really, it's really, really well put together, and I'm, I'm seriously, like, just blown away by you guys even having the time and being able to put it together the way that you have already. Um, one of the questions you ask in it is... Like, what could this thing eat here, right? But you just answered that a little bit, I think, Derek, with the microclimates, right? There's areas where um, if there's conifer trees, one would imagine that there are small rodents or there's berries or there's, you know, vegetation of some kind or whatever. I mean, it's interesting to think that this might be something, again, very similar to, say, other primates where they travel to eat and then they come back home to a safe place to rest or whatever. Um, It's so fascinating. But that... But this thing, this this Sandman guy, or guy, Sandman, whatever it is, it's the guy, the Sandman. Um, this creature isn't even the depth of the weirdness, right? You guys, there's other stuff going on there. Do you want to delve into that a little bit? This is just the tip of the iceberg, really. Uh, the The park itself is known for its UFO sightings. Uh, there's hundreds of these things. If if you go to any you know like UFO map or anything like that, you could just see it's just peppered with little little dots. Uh, there's ghost lights that are reported in the park. There's a one particular spot just like uh, the Marfa lights or Brown Mountain lights or Paulding light. Uh, you can see it almost on a nightly basis. Now there's something even crazier about this particular go- uh, spook light or ghost light. It actually took a life in the 1970s. Now what had happened is there's a uh, there's a trestle in the southern end of the park, and it's a wooden train trestle, and it's actually the largest wooden train trestle in the United States. This thing is huge. Uh, I, I Go Google this thing, actually. If you're not driving, go Google it. It's called the uh, Goat... Am I getting this right, David? Goat Canyon Trestle? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Google that. You'll see it. This thing's awesome. So anyway, in 1975, there was a train coming through, and I guess the conductor saw the spook light on the other side of the trestle, and he called back to the brakeman, you know, lock it up, there's a train coming. So they lock up the brakes, derails the train, and the brakeman's actually killed. And it turns out there was no train coming. It was simply the ghost light that the conductor actually saw. So stories like that just told me that this is the place we got to go. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody's sharing any of this information. These stories are obscure, and the only people that really know them are like desert rats. So we're going to get in there and try to get to the bottom of some of this. Yeah, there's crazy. it's a great uh, kind of hot spot. You know how you have some of the these uh, uh, thinning of the veil places like Point Pleasant, the Bridgewater Triangle, things like that. This We feel like this place, and we, we are calling it the Borrego Triangle because uh, the, the park just vaguely rep- looks like an upside-down triangle. And we think that, it, you know, we want to go there in the hopes of exploring to see if there's something to all these stories because you've got these cryptid stories running around. You've got the UFO stories, and then you've got uh, paranormal stuff. Ghosts have been seen. There's a bunch of ghost tales, and there's uh, a lot of ghost tales from the Old West, which is really cool. Um, and we just want to go and see, like, is what's going on at, at this place? Is is this another one of those hot spots or window areas, as some people like to call them, you know? Is there something with... Uh, uh, ley lines or earth energy or telluric energy, you know, something like that. We don't, we don't know. So we kind of want to bring the audience with us to explore this place and learn more. Dude, this trestle is so intense. I mean, there's, I'm looking at pictures of people like climbing on the trestle, like not climbing, but like walking over it and stuff. And I'm getting anxious. 
<laughs> like where and it says there's a sign there that says do not get on this bridge it's unsafe and there's pictures here of people just like idiots on the bridge like what are you doing get off the trestle guys <laughs> yeah. silly not worth it man so that's a uh, that's so fascinating so what i guess in terms of um in terms of this kickstarter and things what are you guys planning to do now like what are, what is the goal here for this like ultimately if you get funded and stuff, what is the plan of action then? What are you, what are you guys going to do here for this documentary? Well, we're going to start out. We're asking for about twenty thousand. We're hoping to hit some stretch goals, but uh, we're going to start bare bones. Uh, basically, we just need travel and lodging and a little bit of equipment. The rest of it, we're just going to go to the desert. We're going to talk to as many people as possible, film as much stuff as possible, research as much as possible, and get there, get out there on the ground, get our boots on the ground, and just see if we can't kick something up. I guess. Uh, like David said a few minutes ago, it's more of a, a journey that we want to go on. We, we're not experts on this park. We want to explore it and learn about it with the audience. So this is kind of a learning expedition rather than us just going in there and telling everybody about it. Yeah. I mean, really it's even just the, um, even just as a part of the country that I knew nothing about, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm kind of That's- excited yeah, that's that's part of the reason why we want to uh, put this together is because you can go out and um, get a Bigfoot documentary in the woods. Those are a dime a dozen. I have never seen a paranormal documentary set in the desert. Maybe I'm not looking the right places, but besides maybe, you know, a couple of like UFOs are out here or Roswell or Area 51, there's, there's not a lot out there that uh, is from an area of the country like this, has the landscape and everything. We think that's kind of unique and want to, to try something different and fresh for people to see, you know? For sure, yeah. And actually, that's you bring up an interesting point, and we're going to get into that in uh, in the next half year after our, uh, after our break. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So, uh, Flora, you mentioned something really interesting, which I think is this idea that uh, this is all happening in the desert. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But this is this is out there in the desert. And this really is like a very interesting, very interesting geology, geography, everything. Um, but it's one thing that we often kind of discount, like with cryptid sightings, let's say, or with the unknown, I guess we do kind of place them in our own minds into geographical niches. So, you know, yeah, UFOs, you expect UFOs will crash land in the desert because that's just kind of what we've been, you know, uh, I guess kind of brought up to believe in a weird way. But in terms of, in terms of creatures or things, we often don't think of the desert because we think, I guess that it's inhospitable or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you know, again, um, is the desert really any more inhospitable than say like the Alps? Uh, that I'm not sure of, you know, um, which is worse for, <laughs> you know, which is worse yep. for creatures, I guess, 
it's just such an interesting uh, an interesting thing, man. You know, I'm looking here at the record highs for the Borrego Desert State Park um, over the months, right? So I don't know what months you guys don't, are planning don't, on filming. Wait, 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 wait. David doesn't know about this. You can't share this information. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. I was going to say, Dave, you're going to have to invest in like a hat or some sunscreen or something, man. He's going to find out about this the hard it's way. It's going to be, yeah, you're going to be able to peel like a face mask off of yourself, dude. Um, it's uh, The record yeah. what? I'm looking here. I'm looking here for July and August. The record low is 60 degrees. Like it is hot. <laughs> it is hot in this desert, man. Um, was so. Was there a particular case or a particular? Um, was there a particular story? Like obviously, this Borrego Sandman kind of got you guys interested in this. But uh, do you? Is, is there a specific case that you're hoping? that is not so well known, I guess that you're hoping to make more well known through this documentary, you know, um, or like, a, or is it, is it mostly that you're just trying to see what is there? Cause you guys don't really know. I mean, no one really seems to know at this point, right? The only article I could find on this was, um, you know, like a, a random one. That's like the same length as one that's, you know, on the Mongolian, uh, death worm or whatever, right? Like it's not, it's not a very well known or well discussed area. For encrypted stuff. So, uh, what are you guys kind of hoping to see? Or if you could, if you could give your, like, obviously, best case scenario, you guys take a photo, a selfie with the Sandman, right? Um, but <laughs> you know, realistically, like, what are you hoping to get out? I guess of this, or what are you hoping to find or teach people about? Uh, I guess I would like to know. I would like to know if there are. Uh, things going on, and I know that's kind of nebulous, um, a nebulous statement, but I'd like to know if the locals have these stories or, you know, if these stories kind of are put upon them from outside sources somehow or another. And it would be great if we could find some uh, footprints, um, if we could have, I mean, any kind of a sighting, a sighting would be very uh, great, you know, fascinating and fun to uh, blow your mind with. Um, I love the the ghost stories. I love the old west ghost stories that are with um, that that come along with these uh, topics, and be cool to you know catch some kind of uh, activity on film. Um, but I'm not going with any expectations. You know, I just it's I'm kind of wanting to go ask some tough questions, find uh, what information I can, and uh, see what. You know, what might even uh, be possible there? Well, for me, it seems like the 50s, 60s, and 70s were like the peak of all this activity. It seemed like most of the Sandman sightings took place in the 60s and 70s. A lot of the UFO stuff took place in the 70s. So I want to kind of find out if this place was a window area and kind of uh, dropped the activity a bit, or if it's still very active and people in the desert just don't want to talk about it. They don't want the attention. They don't want people out there messing around. So they kind of just keep their mouth shut about it. That's something I kind of want to get to the bottom of as well, because you read about all this stuff and you read about all these encounters and and, and things like that. But until you get there and start talking to people, you really don't understand what's actually taking place there. Right, right. Yeah. So frankly, I'm kind of hoping that you guys have a really fun encounter with a Chuckwalla, which is like a pretty big iguana (laughs) that lives out that way. Yeah, I'd be super into into seeing that on film. Um, But... No, like, so one thing, actually, I think you just made a really good point, which is um, 
which is this idea of maybe the locals kind of wanting to keep their area. Um, I don't know, wanting to keep it local, right? Mm, I'm thinking yeah, about yeah. areas like say Skinwalker ranch or even area 51. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to see what happens to an area when it becomes like a UFO hotspot. You, you know, the shawl, you know, stores that only sell shawls and crystals start popping up across the landscape, <laughs> right? It's, you know, um, it's really interesting to think that maybe there is still sightings or things happening, but maybe they are, you know, kept internally or, or I don't know, you know what? Well, yeah. Yeah. Derek, Derek has um, made a point before that, you know, people, people who live out there in the desert, they live out there for a reason. And so, you know, maybe it is a, a good connection to make that they, since they probably aren't very, um, into having a lot of uh, people or activity around them anyway, uh, it could, it, it, you, the thought could lead to, you know, maybe they are um, not talking about this stuff. So it, it's possible for sure. Yeah, I'm wondering if you guys, um, I'm actually really interested. So, I mean, there it, it seems like this area is also just kind of fascinating because it has so much, just so much paleontology too in the area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and just so much to um, so many like different places where, you know, uh, Native American tribes had lived over time and there's like rock carvings and all this other stuff. I mean, really, it's um, I think it's just going to be cool again, like you said, to see what you find. You know, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And and I do think, yeah, getting some getting some info from locals or even just getting them to talk to you. And that's always the hardest part with these things, you know, but yeah. um. But man, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Frankly, I can't wait to see it funded. Um, we'll be donating. Don't you oh, worry. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Derek, um, um, so Derek could uh, probably tell you a story here about. Um, actually, you were talking about the the Native American uh, stuff. There's art down there, petroglyphs on the rocks. Yeah. Uh, Derek, Derek and I went out there boulder hopping, and um, Derek, tell him about how how that day went. <laughs> Well, I'll back up and say that there's uh, Native Americans have lived in this uh, area for who knows how long. I haven't really got the numbers yet, but they've been there for a really long time. And the park is littered with petroglyphs and, you know, other kind of rock art. So I did some research online about it before we went out there to shoot the trailer. And I, I discovered that there's a few uh, particular drawings that are suspicious they're brightly colored, uh, I think, uh, yellow, red, green, different colors, uh, like celestial objects in the sky that these natives have drawn. In a couple other ones, there are these beings that kind of look like they have these huge hulking shoulders compared to the people that are standing next to them. So anyway, long story short, we, we kind of wanted to look at some of these you know, firsthand. So they're really hard to find. People do not like to disclose where these things are because people go in graffiti and try to chip the rocks off and all this other stuff. So we're out here in 100-degree heat for, what, four hours probably, yep. climbing on boulders the size, of, the size of houses, trying to find little drawings tucked up underneath them. And in the process, both David and I ended up with heat stroke. So we got back to Ooh. camp later that evening to uh, record. Actually, you see it in the, tra- in the trailer. The, the very end of the trailer is us you know, talking to the camera in front of the campfire. And neither of us are in our right minds. We are both <laughs> suffering from some sort of heat exhaustion, heat stroke, who knows what it is. We can't form a sentence. We're both like on the verge of passing out. So this place is super dangerous, but 
stories like that, I think, are going to be, you know, a big part of this documentary as well. Oh, man, that's wild. Well, it's so um, it'd be really interesting to get someone like a an expert in kind of the native tribes that live there or even a representative from them to come talk about For sure. just the area and its history and. You know, because, again, that's a part of these – it's a part of these stories that ends up getting left out. I mean the Skinwalker Ranch story is a perfect example where it's like you just have, you know, uh, you know, white dudes who call themselves shaman being interviewed where they're like, no, yeah, skinwalkers are a thing. And it's like, <laughs> are they? Are they, John? You know, <laughs> shaman John. It doesn't – I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it's such a it, – it is like a weird part of um, – it's a weird part of paranormal culture, I guess, that like these, you know, we really like this mystique or people really like this mystique of like, oh, there's Native American legends here. And then, you know, they completely ignore everything that is told to them by Native Americans or their tribes or whatever and just make up stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And I mean, you guys are obviously much more responsible and, you know, level headed than that. But it w- I think it would be really interesting to see that actually happen in a documentary like this where, again, because you guys are so serious about this and so diligent, you know what I mean? Um, and people can just listen to your podcast to hear that that's a fact. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, man. So one thing that jumps out to me, you know, in the last year, like 10 minutes we have together today or ever, I'm never interviewing you guys again. <laughs> um, one and one, done. Make it good. One and done. One One thing that jumps out to me is um, the cave systems themselves. Some of them are kind of left over from old railways or old mining operations, like you said. And it reminds me a lot of, um, it reminds me a lot of stories like say with Mothman or with the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins or Hellier, right? That yeah. This, um, just this long history of cave systems being linked to the underworld and, you know, their scary places and whatever. Um, but in modern times, I'm thinking like that story you said about the, the light on the train trestle. Um, I'm thinking about even like geological conditions that maybe we're not thinking about like static electricity discharges from the, the silica in the sands or uh-huh. the clays rather, or yeah. even just, I don't know, man. It's so there's so much you can dig into. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, I want to go there and talk to. Uh, I'm sure there's there are geologists around the area and uh, people who. Um, there's there's a ton. I mean, there's a ton of uh, colleges and universities around there. I, I'd like to to go to some of their departments, their science departments, and see if we can't get somebody to talk about those discharges, uh, how that works, the um, probably the effect of earthquakes uh, in the area on that, and then. I'm with you, uh, Chris, from the time we set out uh, doing the research for this, I wanted to know if there were actually uh, extensive cave systems underneath all this stuff, just like, because that was one of the most interesting parts of Hellier when I watched it, uh, and that would be a great cre- thing to add to the credibility of something surviving out there. And all these, you know, weird things popping up and happening in the area. So, yeah, I I am totally down with going out there and trying to find some experts, seeing what they think of uh, uh, the geology of the area and how all that works and getting some of the science in there to see if some of the stuff can't uh, be explained by natural causes. 
Oh man. Yeah. It's God. It's so cool. I mean, really, you know, and I'm glad you guys are doing the heavy work of going out there in the desert because I wouldn't go <laughs> personally. You know, I'm like I'm a lot more, I think, heat stroke. Uh, what's the word? I don't know if I'm I don't intolerant. know if my body is in any shape ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm heat stroke intolerant. Right. That's the idea there. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, so I guess as a takeaway, right, or kind of what um, in terms of what you want people to know about this project or what you want them to think about or, you know, um as a Kickstarter, right? Are you guys doing any kind of, um, are you guys doing like anything like you get a special code to the movie when it comes out or, you know, are you getting whatever, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of stuff do people get for funding this besides hopefully a sweet documentary? I think one of the coolest levels that we're doing is David and I are going to do an exclusive podcast just for the making of the documentary. Uh, we're going to do like 15, 20 episodes between, you know, the the launch of the Kickstarter and the release of the film. And this is going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff, extended interviews. We'll talk to some other podcasters probably and get their opinions on on the area. So that's that's one of my favorite things. I mean, that's that's hours of exclusive content for, I think, ten dollar uh, ten dollar pledge. We're also yeah. doing obviously like the digital copy of the film, that kind of thing. We're putting together a couple packages where you can get merchandise from uh, from the film. Uh, David, what am I missing here? There's uh, a, a curated kind of bag of stuff that's going to be very fun. Uh, obviously, it's going to have some merchandise, some swag from the film, but uh, it's also going to have some special stuff from the area. Hopefully, uh, things like rocks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> rocks painted with alien faces, which has a story to it. We James have an Dumb. inside story. But... Um, <laughs> You'll, we'll have to clue you in in on that later, but um, and you know maybe like a, a vial of sand from the area, thing, you know, just cool, special, unique things that are curated uh, for the people who want to back this project. And of course, you know, we'll have T-shirts and um, hats and uh, patches, stickers, like all kinds of the cool little stuff, you know, to support. And you know, people can also get their names uh, on the credits of the movie as executive producer, or associate producer. Things like that, name on the uh, poster and uh, art, all kinds of stuff. There, we we've got a lot of stuff that uh, you can get back for supporting uh, this project. Oh, really cool, guys! I'm I'm uh, I'm personally excited for the podcast. Uh, actually, I think it's going to be really cool. I mean, it's again, it's something that with these documentaries, I mean, a lot of them are kind of uh, podcasting. I think is probably my favorite medium for information like this because just in information generally, I guess because. It is. It can be such a interactive medium, right? Like you can, yeah. um, you can really talk to people. You can really do stuff on the fly. You can make as much content as you want. And um, especially with documentaries like this, a lot of the time there are questions that come up afterwards that people don't address, or you know, there's stuff you just want to know, right? And I mean, a, a podcast documenting this process, I think it's going to be really cool, and really, I think, going to add a lot to the show itself or the movie itself, I should say. Um, because you know, it's going to help us, uh, I, I don't know, you know, it just gives more context, right. Um, to the state of mind and everything else. I mean, well, yeah, like, really, really interesting. If you support the project, we, we want you to feel a, a part of it. Like you are coming with us on this journey. So, you know, a podcast to get the behind the scenes and see what's really going into it. I feel like really kind of immerses you uh, as a supporter and, and you are with us. You are part of this process. Absolutely, man. So when so the the Kickstarter starts March tenth. Correct. 
Correct. Okay, March 10th. And um, yeah, we'll have we have the trailer uh, that'll be on that page. You'll get to see when um, you know all the all the Kickstarter tiers and and stuff. And uh, for now, hopefully by the time this goes out, uh, we'll have the page set up, and you can click a little reminder uh, to tell you when it goes live. Uh, although if you follow any of our social media or listen to any of these podcasts, you'll probably get a reminder by those as well. But uh, just to make sure, on the Kickstarter page, you'll have a um, a little button that'll that'll click to notify you when it's live. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, listeners, there are a lot of people making paranormal documentaries, but not a lot of people with kind of the um, the depth of knowledge, and also I would just say, uh, kind of critical eye and um, I don't know. I I can't think of that many documentaries that are produced by by guys or folks that I would trust to do a documentary like this and not give me sensationalized crap. You know what I mean? And (laughs) so, I mean, so it's going to be great. Like regardless of what you guys find, um, I think it's going to be an awesome documentary. I think it's going to be a really good look at these things and I'm super excited to support it and, and uh, hopefully have some listeners support it. So uh, when it comes out, we will, um, or when the Kickstarter launches, we will plug the crap out of it on the show and everything. And listeners, you will, be able to find it on our social media and stuff and we'll put out a reminder too for you and um and yeah guys really exciting and we'll throw in if you support the kickstarter we'll send you a sticker from the show for free hey so how about that just just screenshot proof that you supported it and we'll send you a sticker it'll be great yeah. um and also so dave derek go ahead and also if if anybody's got any stories from the area if you've ever oh, yeah. either heard anything or experienced anything please uh, contact us via either our website's uh, contact page or you can call Derek's show. Derek, what's that number? Uh, the phone number is one 608 night It's one 608 It's toll-free in the United States. Basically, you just leave your story in the form of a voicemail, and I'll take care of the rest of it. Yeah, we'd Good love stuff. to hear that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And so, listeners, if you haven't already... Uh, please subscribe and listen blurry photos podcast and monsters among us two great shows different takes on these things than we give you here on the mad scientist podcast all of it part of one kind of encompassing view of these subjects um that i think are i mean they just go so well together it's great go listen to the shows and uh please support the kickstarter uh derek dave thanks so much for coming on the show guys i'm uh i'm really excited to see the see this documentary when it finally comes out and um and yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be waiting for my vial of sand. So get ready. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. Thank, thanks for I'll having us on. Put some tarantula eggs in your vial. Just yeah, for you. there we go. <laughs> if you guys send me a Chuck Walla, I'm not going to say no. By the way, like I'd be super into receiving an iguana in the mail. Chris, this has, as always, been an episode of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell. Here this week, like I said, with Dave Flora from Blurry Photos and Derek Hayes from Monsters Among Us podcasts. Um, please go check out their stuff. Thank you so much for supporting and listening to the show, and we will be back next week with another episode. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. 
If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts. And I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes.